Good morning. How's everybody today? Good. good. Some better than others. I can appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to take a moment this morning and um, celebrate God's goodness for what he is doing in our midst. Um, Let's just take a moment and praise God for the fact that this week we got to bless in an incredible way a foster family. So if you took an ornament off the tree back there over the last couple of weeks, they came and picked up those gifts this week. Uh, And I just, kudos to our church, to you, for blessing that family so well. Let's just thank God and celebrate the fact that we did that. So thank you for rising to the occasion, not that we expected any less. Um, But then also, we had the opportunity to bless three other ladies this week that our church was able to just jump up and fulfill some needs that uh, some people came to us this week. And we helped move uh, a member of our community this week. And God has used our church to do that in our community. And that's an incredible thing. And, And I think that we should celebrate the fact that God is good and that he uses us to bless this community. Do we, is that not a great thing to celebrate? The fact that God is working in us and through us. So thank you for all that you do to serve the Lord and to serve our community. Um, if we're going to be a people who love this community, we have to actually love this community, right? You have to show them that we do that. Uh, and we have done that this week. So thank you uh, for how you do that. Well, um, this morning I have the distinct privilege of talking about love. The love that God shows to us, that we've been looking at the Advent story over the last couple of weeks and seeing that we find hope, that we find peace, that we find joy. And then today we're going to talk about the fact that we find love in the Advent story. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is where we'll be today. We're going to read verses uh, 22 through 38 here in just a moment. But I want to tell you a story first. I want to tell you a story about a lady named Maria Dyer. Maria Dyer was born in 1837 on the mission field in China. Her parents were pioneer missionaries in China, uh, sharing the gospel with the people in China. And both of her parents passed away on the mission field while Maria was a little girl. And so she was sent back to England to be raised by an uncle. And the loss of her parents, while it was a massive moment in her life, it did not deter her young heart From the importance of sharing the gospel. And so, at age 16, Maria decided to go back to China with her sister. She had a younger sister. She went back to China with her sister uh, and worked in a girls' school as a missionary herself there. For five years, she worked as a missionary at that girls' school. And then she married her husband. Her husband was a man you may have heard heard of before, a man named Hudson Taylor, one of the most famous missionaries uh, in history. And Hudson and Maria, they lived a life of faith and ministry and sacrifice. And they were often criticized, uh, even by other Christians, because of the way that they shared their faith with other believers, or with other people. And at one point, Maria wrote, As to the harsh judgings of the world or the more painful misunderstandings of Christian brethren, I generally feel that the best plan is to go on with the work God has given us, and to leave God to vindicate vindicate our cause. She believed the cause was worthy of the sacrifice that it cost her and her husband. And on her grave marker, these words are inscribed, for her to live was Christ and to die was gain. And I share that story with you today because in a day like we live in today, where so many are self-absorbed and we care more about what we can get than what we can give, 
We need to have a renewal of this kind of sacrificial love. The kind of sacrificial love that it took for a girl who was born in China to missionary parents who lost her parents at a very young age to go back to China and witness to those same people that her parents had been witnessing to. It cost, it cost a lot, and it was a sacrificial love that led her to do that. I mean, think about the fact that it was God's love for us that sent Jesus into the world to die for us, to pay the price for our sins. And it was that kind of giving love that our world needs so greatly today. When we love God as we should, our interests will sort of fade to the background and we will follow into the work that God has for us. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about two individuals who exhibit this kind of sacrificial love. And they play very important roles in the Advent story, but they're often overlooked. And so today we're going to see in the story of Simeon and Anna that the love of God impacts us in ways that nothing else can. And because of the love of God, we can live a liberated life here on earth, and we can look forward to spending eternity with our Savior. So let's see what Scripture has to say. Um, let's look at Luke chapter 2, three verses 22 through 38. You can stay seated because it's kind of a long passage, uh, but follow along with me here. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves <clears throat> or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when his parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul as well, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Verse 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting, uh, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. God, today I pray that you would open our eyes to see you more clearly. Help us to understand your goodness. Help us to understand your incredible love for us. And may you be honored by what happens in this room over the next few minutes. 
God, thank you for how you love us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's three things uh, that we see in this story that are going to be helpful for us to learn today uh, that draws us deeper into love with our Creator. The first thing that we see in this passage is that love leads to endurance. Love leads to endurance. Simeon and Anna are both incredible examples of enduring in faith to their God. I mean, th think about the fact that Simeon is a man who is known in history only because he waited obediently for God to keep his promise. God had made a promise to him, and the only reason he's here is because he waited and believed in that promise. And we see his story here. That he was a man enduring years of waiting because of his love for God. He's a part of this godly remnant that lived in Israel at the time of Christ's birth. And he puts his hope in God's covenant promise. It says that he is waiting for Israel's consolation. And that, those words come directly from Isaiah, that the Savior would be the consolation of Israel or for having to wait for years and years uh, to have their Savior come. And so he's waiting for the consolation of Israel, the comfort and joy to come when salvation is realized. And he has endured for years. And now here in front of him is exactly what he's been waiting for. The promise that God made to him that he would get to see his salvation is right in front of him. Jesus was what Simeon had longed for. And he had looked for all these years, the salvation and deliverance of his people. He had endured because he loved God and believed his promise. Anna has been waiting for decades as well. Verse 37 reminds us that um, she has been, that she's very advanced in, in years. It says that uh, she had been a widow for 84 years and that she had endured in waiting for the promised redemption from God. That, um, yeah, it says that she, she was a widow until she was 84. Your translation may say she had been a widow for 84 years. Um, either way, she's an older lady and she's advanced in years and she's been waiting for years to see this redemption from God. I mean, try to imagine the endurance that is required to wait in eager expectation for the Messiah to come all those years. I mean, I, don't, I, I know me, and there, there would have come a point where I would have thought, well, I, maybe I misheard. Did, did God promise something that I didn't realize, or did I do something wrong? I, I'm, I'm just going to go on with my life, right? I mean, I don't, let's be honest here. This is a safe place, right? You, you guys would have done the same thing, all right? Let's just be honest. Let's, let's, not, let's not try to act like we're super holy in here, okay? I mean, we, you, you come to a point where you've waited for so long that you think, well, maybe it's not going to happen. And yet, because of their love for God, Anna and Simeon have endured for years and years waiting for the promised redemption of Israel. The faith and trust needed for such endurance can only come from a deep love for God and a proper understanding of his love for us. God's love for us is unsurpassed. There's nothing like it. Now, the vast majority of us in this room sang this song as a kid. You can sing along with me if you know it. Jesus loves me, this I know. Come on now. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, 
Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, for the Bible tells me so. It's so simple, right? It's, it seems too simple, doesn't it? Jesus loves me, and I know it because the Bible tells me. Yes, it may seem simple, but it is the most true and the most important thing that we can learn about our God. He loves us. God loves you. If you've not heard that this week or not thought about that this week, hear it now. God loves you. God loves me. And we can celebrate that today, that he loves us. And that love is what gives us the ability to endure hardships, difficulty, waiting, hurt, misunderstanding, confusion. We can endure through all of those things because God loves us. And we can endure through those things for his glory. Love leads to endurance. Both Simeon's and Anna's stories emphasize that the faithful people of Israel were engaged in this very long process of waiting for God's act of salvation to come. I mean, it, it had been hundreds of years at this point since Isaiah had prophesied a coming consolation. Hundreds of years. And yet, these faithful servants are enduring in love because love leads to endurance. And not only does love lead to endurance, but the second thing that we see in this passage is that love leads to devotion. Love leads to devotion. Simeon and Anna had both endured for years, but as they endured, they were devoted to the Lord. Look at what verse 25 says of Luke chapter 2. It says, There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout. He was devoted waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. He was devoted to God, Simeon was. And the Holy Spirit had led him into the temple that day, and it just so happens that Mary and Joseph are bringing Jesus to come and do the thing that they are required to do by the law of Moses. Upon seeing Jesus, Simeon praises God for keeping his word, since he has now seen the Savior before he died. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the excitement in Simeon's eyes, the excitement in his body that as he takes this baby out of Mary and Joseph's hands, here in front of him is the promise that he has been waiting for for decades. The salvation of God's people by God is in his hands, and he gets to see it. I don't know about you, but that stirs my heart up to love the Lord more. The fact that God does things like that that he makes promises, and he comes through on those promises. He saw Jesus in Mary's arms, and he knew that it was the promised Savior. His devotion to the Lord was not in vain, and God rewarded his devotion by fulfilling the promise that he had made. I mean, think about it. If you had been waiting, like we are talking earlier about how we would have probably given up, but um, if you were waiting for all this time, and then finally the promise comes true, Right? The, the fact, like the flood of, oh my gosh, God is who he says he is. The flood of all of my waiting has not been in vain. The flood of look at how good our God is. His promises are coming through. That's an incredible thing. And that's still who our God is today. The promises that he made to Simeon and to Anna, he makes those kinds of promises to us as well. If we will just endure 
and devoted faith. Now, if you ever want to see a picture of true devotion and godliness, we look at Anna. She is so devoted to God that Scripture says she has made the temple her permanent home. She does not leave the temple. Look at what it says over in verse 36. Or, I'm sorry, in verse uh, 37. It says, uh, she was a widow until she was 84, and she did not depart from the temple. She lives at the temple. She has stayed there. That's devotion, right? It's not like they have bedrooms at the temple where she can go lay down. She's living there in the court of the temple, and she stays there day and night waiting on this promise that she's heard from God. It says that worshiping, praying, and fasting are her job. That's all she does. She worships with fasting and prayer night and day. She is devoted to the Lord. It's all she does each and every day. And Anna is devoted to fellowship with God, and she never leaves his earthly presence at the temple. She recognizes that she is totally dependent on God for everything. So she lives this life of total devotion to her God because of his love for her and because of her love for him. Now, we, we can identify devotion in our lives, can't we? Um, again, I say this because I love you, and this is a safe place, but how many of us have a shrine to something in our house or our office? Oh, none of us? Oh, thank you for your honesty. Appreciate that. Thank you, thank you, yeah. Now, you may be thinking, holy, what, what, are, we, what are we talking about here? A shrine to something? Listen, how many of us have a sports room at our house? How many of us have a, a little place where we keep some memorabilia for something at our house, right? We, we know what devotion looks like. Now, I'm going to step on some toes here maybe, and, and I'm including my own toes in this that are going to be stepped on, but um, what is the collection that you're devoted to? I'll go first. Now, if you were to walk down this hallway and uh, turn into my office, uh, you would go in there and you would see quite a bit of Star Wars memorabilia. Um, I'm quite the fan, quite the fan. I, uh, I, I, you know, it's a lot. There's a lot in there. It's a lot. If you go in there, I, I encourage you to come. I enjoy it personally. Um, it's even Christmas themed at the moment, so you should come. Um, I'm, a, I'm a fan. It, it's something that I truly enjoy, and because I enjoy it, I devote time and money to it, right? You, you have things too. It probably is not Star Wars. It may be Georgia football, or it might be movies or whatever it is that we're devoted to things we know what that looks like the problem is a lot of times we hold to those things a little bit too closely we follow those things in a way that takes our attention away from what we really need to have our attention on and now listen i'm not saying don't enjoy sports i'm not in, i'm not saying don't have hobbies those are good things god lets us enjoy those the problem comes when we let our devotion to those things become ultimate, that we devote ourselves to something that takes our attention and our time away from our Creator. Now, Anna and Simeon were devoted to something, and they lived out their lives to show that they were devoted to the Lord. And so we should live in their example. Yes, enjoy the good things that God gives us, but we cannot let those good things become ultimate things and take our attention away from our Creator. When we have the correct understanding of who our God is and how much He loves us, the natural outflow of that is our devotion to Him. When we understand that God loves us more than we possibly could imagine, how could we not want to follow after Him? 
How could we not want to devote our time and energy to living for him? Love leads to devotion. The, the final thing that we see in this passage is that love leads to freedom. Love leads to freedom. We, we find this in both Simeon and Anna's response to the realization that the Messiah has come. That we've had this incredibly joyful story uh, beginning in, in Luke chapter 1 and talking about Mary going to Elizabeth and, and singing the what's called the Magnificat, that song that she sang when she went and saw Elizabeth. And then we've seen the birth of Jesus. We've seen the shepherds out in the field, the angels appearing to them, them going to see Jesus be born in Bethlehem. And now we're here at this point where it's eight days or so after Jesus' birth, and they've come to present him at the temple. And for the first time, amid all the joy and happiness and excitement at the beginning of Luke's gospel, we see the cross for the first time looming in the distance. This baby boy would indeed redeem Israel, but it would be through pain and cost. Simeon sees the salvation from the Lord in his arms, and he glimpses Calvary as well. And the glorious thing is that God's salvation is not a what, it's a who. Simeon sees Jesus, and he sees God's salvation. The salvation coming in Jesus had been prepared by God from the beginning, and his arrival represents the fulfillment of a plan from eternity past. Our ultimate freedom is found in Jesus and the sacrifice that he made at the cross. That is where we find freedom. Simeon's interaction with Mary and Joseph confirms what the angels had already told them concerning the reality of who Jesus is, and they're amazed by it. But Simeon's words to them are somewhat troubling as well. Let's read them again. Uh, look at verse 34. It says, And Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Even though Jesus is the Messiah, even though he is the fulfillment of the promise for salvation from God, Jesus' life is not going to be easy. He's going to face difficulty. He's going to face trials as he's here on earth. And ultimately, he's going to give his life for our salvation. There will be suffering in his future, but his suffering will lead to our ultimate freedom as his followers. Jesus came to bring freedom from sin and oppression, but that's not always a peaceful process. There are times when things are exposed and brought to light that are not pleasant, but this act of exposing leads to freedom for the believer. I mean, let's think about our own experience, that when we realize we need a Savior, we also become abundantly and quickly aware of the fact that we are sinful people. If we don't come to that realization, otherwise we don't know that we need a Savior. And so when, when our sin comes to light, that's not usually a fun process. That's not usually something that's fun to experience that you, where you say to yourself, let's do this over and over again. I love having my sin exposed, right? We don't say that. That's not a fun process. But that process is what leads to our freedom from sin and death. Anna becomes a second witness along with Simeon at the same time. The passage tells us that Anna is a prophetess. And 
she would fall into the line of women such as Miriam or Deborah or Hannah from the Old Testament. And she speaks of the Lord to those who long and wait for Jerusalem's redemption. It says that she gives thanks and she praises God. And the same is true for us. We should follow her example that when you realize God has sent a Savior, we ought to thank Him. That seems really elementary, right? You're like, well, yeah, duh. Jesus saves us. Yes, thank you, Lord. But Anna lets her realization of God's love for her propel her out to become an evangelist. She uses the gifts uh, that God has given her as a prophetess to declare the good news of Jesus' birth to those around her. She is a witness to the fact that the covenant promise of salvation and redemption will be and are being fulfilled in Jesus in that moment. The message of God's love and the fulfillment of his promise to bring salvation lead to freedom for those who follow after him. Jesus is the only Savior. Jesus is the only Savior. No one else can serve that purpose for you. No one else can be your Savior, no matter how perfect you might think they are. No one else but Jesus can be your Savior. Christ has, or was sent to save us and bring us into his light, and yet we often love darkness rather than light. There's a, there's a pastor and author named Tabiti Anabwile, and I want to read a quote uh, that I read from him this week. It'll be up on the screen. I think it fits really well here. He writes, God knows. We could stop right there and spend a lot of time. God knows. He sees us in our sin. He sends us a Savior in Jesus Christ. Jesus is a Savior you either love or hate. The cross says He loves you. Unbelief and sin say that we hate Him. But repentance and faith say that we love Him. For our hate, we deserve and receive death. For our love, we don't deserve but do receive life. Choose life. Choose Christ. Believe in Him so that you might be saved. So here's the thing. When we say that Jesus came to bring light, to expose things, and yet we love darkness, it's because, again, we're in a safe place, we like to try to hide our sin, don't we? We like to try to cover up things. We like to try to keep things hidden. And yet, God knows. You cannot hide from Him. There is no closet door that's thick enough that he can't see through. God knows. And yet, even though he knew, he still chose to send Jesus. Even though he knows that we like to try to hide ourselves. Even though he knows that we like to try to dwell on the edge of darkness and keep things from him. He knows, and yet he still sent Jesus. We have a Savior and it's only in the love of Jesus that we find true freedom. What is it in your life that you have shackled yourself to trying to hide from God? Let it go. No, it's not an easy process. No, it's not fun to be exposed to the Lord. But that coming into the light, that moving from darkness into light is what gives us freedom in Christ. And my prayer 
is that today you make that move, that we move from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son, that we become dead people inside spiritually, that God makes alive in Christ. And so it's at this point that we turn to, uh, to, the, to the point I made earlier, that we need a renewal of sacrificial love in our lives. It was God's love for us that sent Jesus into the world to die for our sins. And it's that kind of love, that kind of giving love, that our world needs so greatly today. We need, lo- we need to love God as we should. When we love God as we should, our interests fade as we mag- magnify Him. I think um, that the lyricist Hal David and composer Burt Bacharach may have said it best when they wrote, What? The world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little love. Don't ask if you don't know that song. Come on, you know that song. When we understand the great love with which we have been loved by God, how can we not want to share that with others? How can we be so selfish and say, God, this love is great. I want more of it. I'm not sharing it with anybody. I want more of it, though. Don't we do that at times, that we, we become selfish with grace? <laughs> the grace that God pr- shows to us and pours out on us, we want to bottle it up and say, I'm just going to hold on to this. I don't think I'm going to share it with anybody else. God never intended it for it to be that way. The love of God leads us to endure hardships, to be fully devoted to Him, and to ultimately live in freedom that can only come from Him that we share with others. We share the love of God with others. Simeon and Anna gave their lives to God in eager anticipation of the Savior, and they are rewarded with a glimpse of the salvation that God offers in Christ. Again, try to put yourself in that scene for a moment. Imagine the excitement that day for the, uh, in the temple for them. The Lord wants us to have that same kind of excitement. Remember when you first came to faith in Christ and the excitement that's in you and the, the zeal to want to go out and share that love and that salvation with others. And then what happens? Life, right? Life happens. And we think, well, that person rejected me in a really ugly way. I guess I'm just not going to... Let me not be quite so zealous to go share. And then you get turned down again and you're trying to share your faith and somebody's like, hey man, we're not going to talk about that life happens, and you you begin to kind of lose that excitement that comes when we're first saved. You can return to that excitement. Restore to me the joy of my salvation, Lord, that I might live for you, David writes. We can have that joy and share it with others. We can have the hope that we find at Christmas and share it with others. We can find the peace at the manger and share that with others because God loves us, and so we love God others. On the day that Simeon and Anna show up at the temple, God was fulfilling his covenant promises and his saving promises made to Israel through Jesus. We can know and share that same covenant love in Christ today. And I I encourage you today, come. If you've never experienced the love of Christ, you can right now. You can today. There is hope and peace and joy that we've talked about over the last few weeks, and they all find their beginning in God's love. And for those of you who know the incredible love of God, 
which is most of us in this room. We have a relationship with our Savior. I want to challenge you today. Let's recommit to sharing that love with others, especially at this time of the year. It's almost like we have a cheat code at this time of year. We have an opportunity to share like no other time of the year at Christmas. I, we, I was at, we were at Walmart the other day, which was, you know, that's every day. We go to Walmart every day, basically. Um, but I was at Walmart the other day, and Oh Holy Night was playing over the speakers. You guys know the song, right? Oh Holy Night. It's playing over the speakers. The vast majority of people in that store didn't even think twice about the fact that they were hearing a version of the gospel at Walmart. The lyrics to that song share the gospel. Christ is the Lord. Let us bow before him and worship him. So we have this opportunity this time of year where people are hearing the words of the gospel. Let's help them connect it to their heart. Let's commit to saying, hey, you know, don't be weird about it, but hey, you know, you know what this song's talking about, right? It's a real easy way to transition into sharing the gospel. Real easy way. It's uncomfortable at first, I'll be honest with you. Especially when you talk to some stranger that you don't know and you're like, hey, let's talk about Jesus. It's uncomfortable. But God does not call us to comfort, does he? God calls us to obedience. And part of being obedient is sharing our faith with others. And again, what better time of year than to share our faith at Christmas when people are thinking that way, whether they realize it or not. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed, the little Lord Jesus. You know the Jesus in that song that you sang about at Walmart? That's the Jesus who saves you from death and sin. It's the same one. Let's make that connection for people. Let's take advantage of the opportunity to help people connect what they hear on the radio this time of year with the promises of Scripture and the love of God. So here in just a moment, our worship team is going to be coming. We're going to sing a song about the fact that uh, God showed his love for us in a glorious fashion one night. And I would encourage you, um, let's commit today. Let's commit to follow after the Lord. Let's commit to live in love for Him, knowing that He never intended for that love to stop with us. He intended for us to receive that love, to experience it, be blessed by it, be set free by it, and then share it with other people. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you seems like such an inadequate word. But God, it's the best we got. Thank you that you love us, Lord. Thank you that your love for us and our love for you leads us to endure through this life. It leads us to um, live for your glory. It leads us to freedom. And God, I pray that today, if there's someone in this room who does not know that freedom firsthand, I pray today that they would be set free from their bondage to sin and death. God, for, for those of us who do know that freedom, I pray that you'd help us to be recommitted to sharing that freedom with others, that you might be glorified, that you might be um, magnified in this world. Give us boldness. Give us excitement to share your love with others. God, thank you for how you love us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of Simeon and Anna today, that we see their devotion to you, their endurance to you, and the fact that they live and share your freedom with others. Let us follow that example, Lord. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to worship together. If you wish to talk to somebody about experiencing the freedom of Christ, come.
I'd be happy to talk to you about that. But let's worship together.